At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We live in a world full of information, literally at our fingertips. Among all the claims of truth in the world, it can be hard to separate fact from fiction. This is often the case when it comes to the Christian faith. Do we understand the truth of what we believe, and can we articulate it to others? In The Essentials, Why Truth Matters, we'll use the affirmations of the Apostles' Creed as a guide to teaching us the core doctrines of the Christian faith. Join us each week as we affirm the foundational truths of Christianity so we can stand on the bedrock of God's truth and share that good news with the world. That song, it's your glory that our hearts long for. Is that true? We just want to sense God's presence and his glory in our lives. Could we uh, turn the lights down? They're like, yeah, good. Very good. All right, cool. So today, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Can you repeat that? Amen. Amen. We have been looking at the essentials, the foundations that we find in the Apostles' Creed. And it says very plainly, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, right? And in Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, born of a virgin. He lived, he died, he was buried, he resurrected. And then it says, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And it seems that all that God has called us to is virtually impossible unless we have the power of His Holy Spirit working in us. Because this morning, we have burdens, we have issues, and we are incapable in ourselves, but He promises us the Holy Spirit, not just to be available but to come and to actually abide inside of us so that we don't have to do the work. All we have to do is respond, and His Spirit accomplishes everything through us. That's a good deal, amen? That is like so good because it's too much for any one of us. And if there's one topic that has really uh, challenged the church world, it is the topic of the Holy Spirit. Because there are so many extremes on both ends and perceptions of who the Holy Spirit is, how he should function, and how he should operate even within our church bodies, different localities. A man named Michael Bird wrote a book. It's called What Christians Ought to Believe. And in his book, he, he wrote some very interesting things. He said this, I say with no exaggeration that I have met Christians who seem to think that the Holy Spirit is something like Jesus' vapor trail, a mysterious and impersonal force that conveys God's presence or even a kind of heavenly buzz. So we've got that kind of an extreme, and we see it expressed in, in church bodies throughout uh, the world where there can be a kind of hyperfaith, right, and believing that uh, every move, you know... Um, in every unusual manifestation, and I'll tell you what, God manifests himself, himself in ways that seem very unusual to us, and it is the Holy Spirit, right? And then, so you've got that kind of group, right, where there's this emotional group, almost hysteria that happens, right? And, and, and we look at that and we go, is that God or is that not God, right? And then you've got the other extreme where people will... Uh, be so afraid of anything that has to do with the moving of the Spirit that they keep congregations 
in a tight kind of legalistic Christian legalism in order to not, you know, get too crazy. If the music is, is too, uh, too hyped up, maybe somebody will start dancing. You know, wouldn't that be a shame? Oh, wait a minute. Who invented dancing? Oh, that's right, God did. There are very few things that engage body, soul, and spirit. Your body, your soul, and your spirit like dancing. Dancing before God. We see examples of it you know, throughout Scripture. If you read the Psalms very carefully and you look at some of those words, it's worship before God. David danced before the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, he couldn't contain himself. He's in the presence of God. You've got to believe that he was moved upon by the Holy Spirit. I was at a Christian organization of businessmen one time, and um, they believed in the moving of the Spirit, and they believed in it in a certain way. So they were calling people up. They said, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, come on forward. And I was a brand new Christian. I said, hey, if there's more of God, I've accepted Jesus. But if there's this baptism of the Holy Spirit, count me in. So I went up. And people, they were praying for people, and people were falling all over the floor, right? And I thought, God, I want what's real. And my mother was with me, right? Raised a good Italian Catholic boy, and I'm in this other situation. It's very embarrassing. And I said, I'm, God comes first. I'm going up. And I went up, and they laid hands on me. And we'll see the pattern of that in Scripture. And they're praying. And I wasn't falling over like everybody else. I was like, God, I want what's real. And so the guy who was ministering, I mean, he's having success. He prays, prays, people falling all over, right? He prays for me, and I'm still standing. <laughs> so, so he had to cover it up. So he goes, oh, the Spirit is all over him. Can you see it, people? You know. Well, I wasn't going down. He had to cover his steps. Right? And so that was, that was a little unusual, a little unusual. Shortly after that, being a good Catholic, I wanted to remain faithful. So I went to a Catholic church, and a priest was sharing out of Isaiah about Jesus. And he, he was reading his scripture. And the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach. And I was like, oh, my gosh. This is so alive. And the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, and I looked around the church. People weren't getting it. And I thought, oh, my goodness. We can be in church, and we can understand with our minds, and yet our spirit not comprehend exactly what God is saying. And that is, that is what we're going to look at today. I appreciate Chris Brooks. How many of you love Chris Brooks? Yeah. He said at a meeting one time, he says, I went to a church, grew up in a church, that was so full of the Holy Spirit that there was no room for the Father or the Son. And I understand what he's talking about. A lot of emotionalism and a lot of, you know, that kind of moving. Well, you know, God moves in our emotions. He wants to touch us there as well. He wants to turn us on in every single possible way, you know, in life. It's a very, very beautiful thing. So today we're going to look at you know, what is, uh, who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, can we let God be God in a Holy Spirit way in our lives? Because he does move in unusual ways. He, he tells us to do strange things, like take your only son, right, and go up on the mountain. That's kind of unusual. Build a boat when it hasn't even rained yet. You know, all, a, a very unusual, a virgin's going to conceive. 
So we don't want to look for the spectacular and strange word just to say, oh, I'm being moved by the Holy Spirit. But we definitely want to hear the Holy Spirit speaking uh, to us in our lives. So today we're going to look at a portion of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8, verses 9 through 24. And it's a, it's a, a portion of Scripture that uh, shows us two opposing forces, all right? And it all has to do with the Holy Spirit. There are three scenes that we're going to look at here. And the first scene is a confrontation. It is the spectacular moving of the Spirit, okay, versus the real moving of the Spirit, okay? So in Acts chapter 8, and uh, we'll see the scripture up here, I'm sure, 8 and verse 9. And so I'm going to leave out words now and then. And you just fill in those words, okay, because I think it helps us to understand what's going on here. So verse 9 starts out, but there was a man named, okay, who had previously practiced in the city and the people of, saying that he himself was somebody and all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of, that is called They were attributing to him the name of Yahweh. And they paid attention to him because he was a long, for a long time he had amazed them with his. But when they believed, as he preached good news about the kingdom of and the name of Jesus, they were baptized, both men and women, even himself. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. So here we have this sorcerer who loves the idea of the spectacular. And somehow he had uh, fooled this entire city and portrayed himself as someone that was really great connecting himself with God. And so we find that John had uh, baptized uh, with water. We find this in Acts chapter 1, verses 8 through 4. I'll just read this. And while they were uh, staying with them, he ordered them uh, not to depart from Jerusalem, this is Jesus, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, "You you heard from me, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And he said, but, when you, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this is what we're seeing happening now. Philip the evangelist is taking the word of God to the Samaritans who were outside of the economy of God. He's, he's actually working from Joel, and in Joel it says, in the last days God will pour his spirit out on sons and daughters and men, old men, and there's going to be dreams and visions that are going to happen. And Joel actually says, even on your maidservants and on your men servants. And what he is saying is that when the Spirit of God is poured out, we break down all the social classes, and everybody becomes part of the body of God. So Philip, here it says, when he was done preaching in the previous verses of chapter 8, verses 5 through 7, it says that the city was filled with much joy. Everybody say joy. 
Joy is what the Holy Spirit has for us. When we have the power of God, our lives are filled with joy. And that joy brings strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We want the Holy Spirit this morning, amen? We want him to move in our lives in a new and wonderful way. Simon, let's take a look at this guy. He was practicing this magic. He was arrogant. He had a position. He now sees that there's another wonder-working power in town, and he wants that for himself. And so he believes. It's amazing. He believed the preaching of the gospel, but there was still something else in his heart. He believed it, but there was something else there. He was looking for the signs and the wonders. He loved the spectacular. He loved the emotional hype that he might get from that. If we look, you know, at Luke, it's amazing because in the Gospel of Luke, uh, Jesus sends out 72, and he gives them the power of God, and they go out preaching, and what happens is they come back to Jesus and they say, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. And there's been healings. And he reports all these incredible events that have happened. And Jesus says, don't get carried away with the outward manifestations. Don't be thrilled about that, but be thrilled that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And you know, I know every one of us, you know, we love to see the miraculous, and God has done miracles in our lives, amen? I mean, the fact that we are not going to hell is a miracle, and that he says that he comes to live in us and indwell in us. And then, as, as Pastor uh, Dan expressed uh, shortly the message, he, he, he encapsulated the whole thing. We have everything we need in God and through the Holy Spirit. And so, as we, as we continue on, we see that the signs and the, the wonders were not the central attraction or should not be, but the one who brings those about. People love following other people, as, as was mentioned last Sunday in service. You know, the celebrity worship, you know, it, it happens. I was at an art fair, and um, a bunch of these ladies came up, and they, they were like, oh, it's him. <laughs> I didn't know who they're talking about. It's, it's him. I've, I've, I'm following him. And then one goes, oh, that, there he is. They were talking about me. And so <laughs> they came up, and the one lady said, oh, you're Joe? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm Joe. And she said, oh, can, can I touch you? <laughs> and I was like, no! <laughs> Stay away! Don't touch me! I didn't say that, but I was feeling that, you know? And I go, yeah, yeah, mm, okay, this bump. <laughs> It's <laughs> all good. But people, people have celebrity craziness going on in their head. That only happened to me once, by the way, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but it's like, you know, we want to follow the spectacular. And a lot of times, you know, it can start out, you know, like Jesus was spectacular, and people followed him because of that. I mean, think about it. Dead people raising up, right? The apostles, all kinds of great things going on, right? But our hearts have to be set on Jesus. And the reason for those things is to bring people. Yes, it draws attention. 
you know, and I realize that as an infant Christian, we can be drawn because God does great things. Why did Jesus multiply food? Why did he heal? Why did lame people stand up at the pool of Bethesda, you know, and all these kinds of things? It's, yeah, it's an attention getter, but it's not the main purpose. I mean, so we've gotten our lives together. Some of you have financial freedom. Some of you have a wonderful relationship now in your marriage that you didn't have before. We've got all of these things, but that the blessings of God are not to draw us to the blessings of God. They're to draw us to Him so that, why? So we can just hang out with Jesus. No. So that we can hang out with Jesus, get the up and in relationship so that we can go into the world with a passion and a surrendered life that only finds contentment and joy in being in the center of his will because his spirit is leading us and driving us to do his bidding on the planet. That's why Philip went to Samaria, right? And we have our Jerusalem and we have our Judea and we have our Samaria that God is calling us to. Our hearts can be deceitful and desperately wicked and we can serve God for our own purposes you know, at times. But, um, you know, I was here setting up for student ministry and a lady came in and um, I was busy and um, she wanted to talk just a little bit and she said, um, does your church help people? And I said, oh, we love to help people. We love helping people. And she goes, okay, um, so what kind of help does your church give? And I said, any kind of help that somebody needs, we are here for them. And she said, okay, good. And I said, you know what? I would love to introduce you to our deacons. So if you would love it, I said, we'd love to have you come on Sunday, and we'll, we'll certainly help you. She didn't even say a word. She turned around and walked out. She was hoping I would probably, you know, put my hand into the offering box, pull out some Ben Franklins, and say, here you go, honey. Uh, you do put Ben Franklins in, right? <laughs> okay, anyhow. So the help that we wanted, you know, to give was not what she was looking for. So in our infancy, we can serve God for, for what, you know, um, he can do in our lives. We want to celebrate and demonstrate what the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have done in our lives. And I can guarantee that we will manifest the miracle of a transformed life. Because that's what it's going to take for us, you know, to really enter in. Jesus told his disciples... Uh, that the ministry of the Holy Spirit was to ultimately glorify him, bring glory to him, you know, and not themselves, and to declare him to the nations. The power and the signs of the Holy Spirit are not the point of his working. It is to put the spotlight on Jesus himself. But I love this. John chapter 14 and verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, all right, will also do the works that I am doing and greater works. Is that cool or what? I can't even imagine what a greater work is and what Jesus has accomplished. But he promised that we would do that. God wants to move in the spectacular, but it's only to win hearts. I was in a service one time, and a lady was a missionary to Africa, Tanzania. She worked with AIDS uh, victims and she was 79 years old. The doctor said she had to come back to America because her heart was so bad she couldn't, she couldn't go on. She came back. She went to the doctor. The doctor said, you'll never go back. We can't even do surgery. We were in a church service. It was praise and worship. And she interrupted the entire service 
she raised her hand and she said, God has just touched my heart. I felt his hand moving. And the pastor was a man of wisdom. He said, we believe you. Go to a doctor and have it verified. She went to the doctor. He could not believe. He took the, the x-rays, the electrocardiogram, whatever they did. And the doctor said, I see no scars whatsoever. She went back on the mission field and lived out the rest of her days. I've seen God do the miraculous he wants to. My own mother was dead long enough for rigor mortis to set in her body, and she came back to life. Chris was to have surgery. The doctor said, you'll be begging me for it. We, we prayed. We felt, no, no, not surgery. We're not opposed to it. We just felt like God was saying no. He said, you'll be begging for it in the morning. In the morning, she got up, got dressed, and walked out of the hospital and never had the surgery. We serve a God who is spectacular. Why? Because he wins our hearts. He wins our hearts. And we just want to surrender everything to him and walk in the spirit by every word that comes from his mouth. Scene 2 starts in Acts chapter 4, verse, uh, sorry, Acts 8, verse 14. I'll read and leave out a couple of words. Now, when the apostles at, had heard that, had received the word of God, they sent to Peter and John, uh, who came down and prayed for them that they might the... For he had not yet fallen on any of them but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they laid their on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw the Spirit was given through the laying on of hands of the apostles, he offered them money, saying, Give me this also. <laughs> Just catching my breath. <laughs> you guys are good. <laughs> so that anyone <laughs> on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. The Samaritans believed in Jesus, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. Very interesting. So, the Bible says no man can come to Jesus except the Father draws him. So the Father and the Holy Spirit and Jesus are one, so they're drawn but then there seems in this and in the book of uh, Ephesus, we see in, oh, not in book, in Acts, we also see that people receive the knowledge of Jesus and they receive salvation. But then to receive the Holy Spirit in the fullness, in another dimension, is another step that seems to take place throughout the book of Acts. So, do you have the Holy Spirit? The answer would be, at salvation, the answer would be yes. And also, is there a regeneration? Is there a renewing of our minds through the Holy Spirit? And the answer, again, is yes, because the Holy Spirit does the ongoing work of abiding within us so that we become authentically His and empowered to do all that the Lord is calling us to do. In Acts chapter 19, as I mentioned, verses 1 through 7, the people at Ephesus have heard of John's baptism, but then Paul went, laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And you know, there's evidence that the Holy Spirit is in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit 
is that evidence in a very, very real way. It becomes who we are. It's amazing. In Numbers, we see that Moses laid hands on Joshua, and uh, God directed him to do that. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Joshua for the ministry. We find in Acts 13, 1 through 3, that after fasting and prayer, the elders laid hands on Barnabas and Saul for the ministry. Peter and John, the apostles, laid hands, we see here, on the Samaritans, and they received the Holy Spirit. But Luke never says that Simon received the Holy Spirit. So how does the Holy Spirit come upon us? How does that actually work? We'll see this in John chapter 14. So what Simon was looking for was simply some supernatural power, not the indwelling Spirit of God. He saw the outward, and he was attracted to the outwardness, but he didn't, he didn't have the inwardness. It would it'd be like if I saw, uh, let's see, who do we pick? If I saw, um, oh, Pastor Dan talking to Jerry and Joe, right, and... Um, Ron, and I saw them talking, and I thought, they have something special. Look at them. They're all smiling. They're full of the Spirit. And I walk up, and I say, you know what, guys? Hey, I, uh, this, is, this is really cool. I love what you got going on here. Um, I've got some money here. Um, can, I, can I join? Can I, can I have some of this? Right? I mean, it'd be just like that. Or it's like, Maybe coming into a church and saying like, okay, okay, I get this, right? I'm supposed to go to church. I'm coming. And I, I get the feeling they want me to be regular, right? And um, so I'm going to come regularly. And you know what? They, they like the fact that I help set up chairs. And, uh, oh, we got a fundraiser going on. Oh, there's a roots and rummage thing. I'm going to get rid of some of my junk. Oh, I'll make sure it's good junk, though, because I don't want to burden the people with all my garbage. You know, and so now, uh, now that I've done all that... Uh, could you lay hands on me? I'd like to get the Holy Spirit. You know, it just doesn't work like that, right? It has to be something that, that God does. Or oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm gifted. I'll use my gifts, and then I'll, I'll get the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like the only way it really works is if we yield because we're hearing God say, I want you to minister in song. I want you to minister in just the ministry of helps. You are so hospitable. When you minister, you know, our hospitality, aren't they incredible out there every week? Don't, they don't do, they don't, yes, I know, I know, I know. They don't just do the job. It's like who they are, right? It's like Becca this morning. She wasn't just singing. She brought her gift sanctified by the Holy Spirit, and it was the Holy Spirit flowing out to every single one of us. That is a glorious, absolutely glorious way to live. It's amazing. So how does the Holy Spirit come into us? The Holy Spirit is a gift. It is sent by the Father and the Son to equip us and empower us to become more like Jesus. And if we look in John chapter 14, listen to this. This is cool. He says, if you love me, Jesus says, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. To be with you forever. Even the Spirit, verse 17, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Just like Simon. Simon was in the group. 
Judas was in the group. But there wasn't that sensitivity. And there's a lot of us in the group this morning. And the song, you know, flood this place with your spirit. It is God's plan today that we experience him. And Jesus says, because they don't see him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Not just with you, not just next to you, but in you. In John 14, 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them, what, what, what? There's some part that we have in all of this today. It's not God just says, yeah, I'm going to just I'll dump it out today. Yeah, random, he's flying over us and going, oh, no. There, there has to be within us a response. And I believe that God wants us to be responding to the sense of his spirit so that we can be filled. So whoever has my commandments, do we have the commandments? Yes. And keeps them, he it is he who loves me. See, God knows. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And then this guy named Judas, not Iscariot, says, Lord, how will you manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. In these few verses, we see the Father, we see the Son, and we see the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we keep the commandments? Of course, it's by the Spirit of God. It's by the Holy Spirit. And there's this perfect balance, and God wants to, you know, uh, give us his power. We see his power in the book of Acts. The book of Acts are the acts of the Holy Spirit. And chapter 28 is not the last chapter. It's still being written. And so the acts of the Holy Spirit are to be demonstrated in this world through the power of God who lives in us so that others can see him and be drawn to him. You know, Peter healed a lame man. He raised Dorcas. Prison doors were open. Ananias and Sapphira, under the power of the Holy Spirit, dropped dead in church. Not many people laying claim to that promise, right? Paul blinded Elymas by the power of the Holy Spirit. God gives us authority over the powers of darkness because His Holy Spirit is expressing His will to this generation. And when Jesus said, you have the power to bind on earth and it will be bound in heaven, we have that authority because God lives in us. It's not because we just read it, name it, and claim it. It's because God is working and He chooses His people to work through to touch this world. When I'm burned out and confronted with all kinds of confusion and I need comfort, who's my comforter? Amen, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Father. When I get a negative doctor's report, who's going to be my counselor? What do you think? Holy Spirit? Amen. When I'm overwhelmed and I need direction, who's my GPS? Holy Spirit. When I'm perplexed and I need wisdom, who's my wisdom? Amen. When I need divine intervention and deliverance from my iniquity, who's my deliverer? Amen. When I need peace, it's the Holy Spirit. When I don't know how to pray, He prays through me. When I can't get it done, I need help, He's my helper. 
when the enemy comes against my soul with accusations and little bits of truth about my depravity, I need the advocate who is Jesus Christ and my Holy Spirit, and I'm struggling with a besetting sin. Who do I need? Who does my wife need when I annoy her? <laughs> who do I? No, okay. <laughs> Scene three, correction. Religi religiosity versus repentance. Chapter eight, verses 20 to 24. But Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the of God with you have neither part nor lot in this matter for your is not right before God. Therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that if possible, the intent of your may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of... And Simon answered, pray for me to the Lord that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. So he was not interested at all in repentance. His heart was darkened and there was no way that he could get away from that. So we find here the Holy Spirit is clearly poured out to bring people to a place of repentance. And God has that for every single one of us. He wants us to repent of any uh, self-gain uh, motivations and intents of heart that we may ha might have for serving him. The idea is that we be filled with his spirit completely. We have externals of religion, and then we have the internal um, living and indwelling spirit of God. The Holy Spirit comes as a gift from God who elevates our hearts and our minds and causes us to express, you know, what he is accomplishing in the world. If you then are evil know how to give good gifts to your own children, much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit. He said, Jesus said in John 14, 12, truly I say unto you that greater works will you do, and that is by the Holy Spirit. Simon believed the good news, but he did not receive the Holy Spirit. The Samaritans believed the good news, and they received the Holy Spirit. We have lived our entire lives to come to this particular day and this moment today. And uh, we'll move forward in time. And you and I will not stay the same but we will change. And whatever we allow to influence us, because grace is the greatest influence that comes from the Holy Spirit. It influences us, it supercharges us. We will make natural and spiritual steps throughout the rest of even today, but we'll never be the same. Every one of us makes excuses for not surrendering our entire self to the Lord. You know, Simon had his. And God wants to wipe those away from every one of us, because Jesus said he pours out his spirit when we love him. And when we, the word keep his commandments means we cherish those. I was born this way, great excuse. Jesus came so that we could be born again. We have a brand new DNA we can take after him. And the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come to the internal secret parts of our hearts, and he empowers us. Simon was an observer he wasn't even a seeker necessarily. But where are we in our relationship? Are we an observer of Christianity? Are we a seeker? Do we take the next step and become a believer?
do we then be, begin to have an intimacy with God so that we are a friend of God? There was a time Jesus said, no longer do I call you my servants, I call you my friends. And then once we're a friend, are we a co-laborer with him because we have the Holy Spirit and wherever he is working, that's where we are. And ultimately, he calls us into the intimacy of what the Bible puts forth as a bride of Christ. Two appeals today. You know, one question do I have the Holy Spirit? In what measure do I have the Holy Spirit? People I've noticed of all ages raised in a church can sometimes get used to the patterns and understand what is good and what is wrong, what is pure, what is not pure, and begin to make right choices. Many, you know, grow up in that bubble and they become very pure, like, you know, and powerful. Some grow up in that and become resentful because it hasn't been their own. And when we open our hearts to the Holy Spirit, he becomes our own. And this morning, you know, it, we may be believing, but we're lacking in experience, right? Like, I believe in snorkeling. I believe in scuba diving. But I believe in flying airplanes, but I don't, I've, never flied, I've never flown one, right? So it's one thing to believe in something. It's quite another to get in depth and really, really do it and experience it. And I believe we can open our hearts to that. The next one is, you know, in our journey, in our walk with God, there's times, and we see it in, in many heroes throughout Scripture, there's moments when the Holy Spirit is moving on somebody, you know, like uh, the prophet, you know, uh, Elisha, does great things, and then depression comes. It's like, oh, God, if, if you know, just take me. Jonah, just take me. Job, it'd be better that my mother's knees prevented me. Great men of God. And so the Spirit comes, and it seems to wane at times. And there's this opportunity that God brings, and we're seeing him do it in this day and age where people are hungry for the presence of God, and he's filling that void in a beautiful way. Ephesians talks about being filled with the fullness of God's Spirit. And I don't know about you, but... I can't eat just one Lay's potato chip. I can't just have a taste of the Spirit. I want the whole thing. You know what I mean? It's like when I was a kid, I'd walk to the Nine Mile in Kelly and there was a store there that had penny candy. I'd bring four quarters and buy a hundred pieces of candy. I couldn't even make it home. I ate the whole thing. You know, I just want, I want the whole thing. I want all that God has, you know, for our lives. We celebrated Passover last week, or Easter. Fifty days later, okay, was the Feast of Pentecost. And in the Old Testament, it was the feast where they celebrated the giving of the law. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to bring the law of the Spirit of life in Christ that sets us free from the law of sin and death. How would you like that this morning? The law of the Spirit, where we're yielded wholly to the Lord. One last verse for you. God pours his Spirit out, but there's something we can do. We can respond. James is a no-nonsense kind of guy. Draw near to God. Amen.
Let's stand together. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. That is powerful. That's a promise. You don't have to scratch your head and go, well, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> but today you can do that. You can draw near to God, and he says, I will draw near to you. Does anybody know the rest of that verse? He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He puts a little bit of a contingency there, a little bit of like, what's it going to cost me? Well, what did it cost Jesus? He laid his life down. It's amazing. And the Holy Spirit truly wants to come in. But a heart that is already full can be too full. The devil can't get you to sin. He'll get you to be too busy. And this morning, you know, Simon did not repent. And this morning, you know, we want, we want God in the way it happens time and time again throughout history is that we find some area in our lives that we can give to him, that we can just lift up and give to him. And so this morning, I don't think anybody has to scratch their head and go like, ah, do I, I don't know, do I have any sin in my life? <laughs> do I have any tendencies? Oh, yeah, if any man says he has no sin, he's a liar. So let's pray. Father God, you want to fill us to overflowing with your spirit. You said out of our innermost being would flow rivers of living water. You want to equip us to do great and mighty deeds. But more than that, you want us to walk in the fruit of the spirit, filled with a passionate love for you and for your people, filled with joy, because that's what comes from your spirit. When you poured out in Acts 1.8, the community thought the saints were drunk because they were so happy, singing and rejoicing. And you want to fill us with the comfort and the wisdom. We can walk uprightly before you and be your messengers. And Lord, there's no way around this whole idea of repenting and being broken and put back together again because you are our God. We just thank you and we praise you today for your word. And we ask that it would work in our lives very deeply. And may the evidence of your power for daily living in the ordinary mundane be evident. We thank you and praise you. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.
Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.